0: Tim, episode 25, the quarter-century mark of the Stats Matter podcast. For all the haters who thought we would make it, guess what? We're still here. Mm-hmm. Uh, week 6 of the NFL season, it's already come to a close. Week 7's in hot pursuit. This week, we're going to change things up. We're going to start with what's in our cups. And I'm glad that you weren't thinking about it, but maybe... We just get too many beers from around the areas. So I messed around and went to West Virginia this week and brought back a whip beer just for the listeners. Just kidding. I got it from a keg at at, uh, Total Wine. (laughs) It was delivered here. (laughs) But but the the thought was there. You got an Imperial Stout for Oxford, Connecticut, because you live in Connecticut and there's Mm got to be snow. It's Stout weather for you. You all know that you can follow us on Twitter at Stats Podcast and at Stats Matter on Instagram. Stats Matter can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Stitcher, Apple, Google, Spotify, or probably your best friend podcast playlist. It's probably on there. So you should just ask for the RECO, listen to it, download, subscribe, share, like, everything. Tim, let's get into the show. My body is ready. <laughs> 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 all right, so like I said, couple of pods back, I got, I got big house problems now, right? I got to figure out what beer to put in the keg. And mm-hmm. I had this delicious conundrum called having a keg. And I finished the first keg, which was the Pilsner. Then I got an IPA, finished that one. And the wife was like, Hey, I need a beer I can drink too. I said, okay. So she likes the wheat beers, the hefeweizens. We got a Hefeweizen. Never had this problem before. I go <laughs> to put the coupler on the keg. It yep. won't sit. Yep. Absolutely won't sit. Bleeding CO2. Can't figure it out. Not getting anything out of the tap. I'm having like a daymare. You know what I mean? Like a nightmare <laughs> during the day. It's bad. Yeah. It's real bad. I ask a friend, um, I call him the keg doctor. I'm like, yo, know, help me out with this. And he's like, the only thing I could think, cause there's not a leak in the line. Maybe it's not sitting on the keg. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's not. So I bring it back to the place where I got it. Total wine. And they're like, oh yeah. Uh, sometimes it, you know, the kegs won't sit right. And he pulled a tap and he was like, he just screwed it in. He was like, oh, it's fine. I'm like, bro, I'm telling you, nothing's coming out of there. So I exchanged the keg, thankfully. But there was nothing else that was really there. Now, the wife wanted a cider. I was, "Mm, there's not enough pumpkin spice latte in the world for that to happen. So uh, I was like, no, I'll get you a wheat beer. So I went and got another wheat beer. This one from West Virginia. It's called Zona's Revenge from Greenbrier Valley Brewing Co. I actually had greenbrier the first time in west virginia went out there for work and i gotta tell you a lot of people give unnecessary guff to west virginia for no reason it's a really beautiful place there's not a lot there but it's a really beautiful place and the beers are the beers are decent they're pretty good so uh i am drinking that got it on tap still trying to figure out how in the world they get the co2 to be the right level i've watched enough youtube videos to understand there's an excel spreadsheet but I don't want to deal with any of that. I might just have to like go on Angie's list and see if there's like a local person who's like you know good with draft lines because there's so much that goes into having a keg. I didn't think necessarily too far down the weeds about this, but I'm not really that worried about it. So, cheers, Tim. Cheers, sure, sir.
1: Quick little uh, not story, but in the intro you mentioned that I'm in Connecticut, so we must have snow. Uh, I went up to Vermont this weekend for a little family getaway. Uh, my fault for not having two episodes last week that one's on me uh, i did a little family weekend away for my anniversary so you believe
0: the nerve of this guy
1: the audacity <laughs> uh anyway uh we stayed at the bottom uh or we stayed in ludlow vermont which is at the bottom of Okemo mountain it's a ski resort up there it's beautiful uh on saturday we woke up a little early before ski season starts you can drive up to the top of the mountain they have a A service road that goes up that's covered in snow once obviously they're making snow so it was like 60 degrees you drive up as we get towards the top of the mountain it gets a little foggy and then boom all of a sudden we're in like a winter wonderland it was the weirdest thing i think i've ever been part of where we got out of the car there was thick snow on the ground the trees were all covered i got some really cool pictures of it my son went bananas because you know he had missed the snow all this time but um yeah it was very much that like oh that's right we do live in new england uh because the following day we decided to go back up there there's a fire watch tower up there we were going to let our son and we were going to all go up uh and the snow was completely gone like gone gone yeah. like as soon as the sun came out and the cloud cover cleared like i have a photo coming down the mountain from like the scenic point where you can oversee what looks like all of Vermont. Uh, and we are literally at cloud level. So like, it looks like the ceiling of a room that you're standing in where the clouds are and the rest of the the Valley below. But anyway, it was bizarre, fantastic weekend. Go to Ludlow, go to Okimo. Um But New Amazing. England weather in a nutshell, I have seen mm. snow already this season.
0: The only other place uh, I've seen that happen was in Germany. I saw most seasons in one day. Yeah. It was it was like snow and rain in the morning and then it was like fall by like, you know, noontime. And then it was like sweltering hot in the afternoon. And I was like, yeah, I'm over this. All right. Back to my beer. Uh,
1: so anybody who's been listening along knows that I spent a little time working at a brewery. Uh, shout out to Blackhawk. Um, yeah, this is actually one of their beers. And in my opinion, uh, the best beer that they make. It's called Leaves a Mark. It's an imperial stout. They made it in collaboration with a uh, tattoo artist. They keep holding up the can, like you guys can see it. Uh, but it's phenomenal. I would put it up there against some of the other biggest stout makers out there uh, as far as flavor and quality. Um, they also make a coffee milk stout, uh, which is decent, but I think this is in a, a total class of its own. Uh, once a year, they'll barrel age this and do it and release it for their barrel age fest. Uh, also amazing, but this guy is smooth. Um, I'm bearing the lead here cause yes, I've obviously had this beer before, but, um, when I saw it, it used to be limited, but now it comes out a little bit more regularly tends to take on a little bit of like a barrel aged flavor profile, even though it's not barrel aged, which sometimes you get with some of these Imperial stouts, but four is nice and thick. Smells phenomenal, a little on the sweeter side. Damn, that's delicious. One of my favorite beers in all of Connecticut. Definitely my favorite beer from
0: Blackhawk. Interesting. Um, I, yeah. too, have had that, that beer before. Yeah. I gave it a 2 out of 5, my rating, off your scale, for the conversion. <laughs> and if you had on your bingo card... Um, an angry chair shout out. It didn't happen. So sorry. You, you don't, you don't get it this episode apparently. Cause Tim didn't feel that was necessary, but
1: this is good. Right.
0: These these are, these are good. These are good, delicious problems to have. I'm trying to figure out uh, what beer to have on the Sassamander podcast. Oh, uh, I did have
1: my first like one rating over the weekend. Oh yes. Uh, it was bad. I took two sips of it and then poured it out. I just couldn't deal with it. Um, which is odd because I went on untapped and looked up the rating for it and it has like a, a like a round of four, which is insane. But it was, I'm looking up the name of it, it was clown shoes. Oh yeah. So, uh, so was it an IPA or one of their stouts? Nope. It was an IPA mm. and it was called, I think it's like rainbows do exist. We got pizza and I couldn't find like a place close by to get beers and their taps are broken. They do p- beer to go. Yeah, uh, but the lines were all broken. So I was like, "All right, I'll just take a can." And they had Bee Hoppy from Wormtown, and they yeah, had this that's one. Beer. I've had yeah, I've had B, I've had Bee Hoppy before. Oh my god, what's the name of this thing? Uh, took a picture of it just for this podcast, and now I can't even find where. I think it's called anyway. It's called like rainbows are real or unicorns are real. Or something, but whatever it was, God, it was <laughs> whatever it was, it was not enough to convince you that they
0: are indeed oh, real.
1: Yeah. <laughs> man, it tasted what did it taste like? Um an IPA mixed with like pine salt. Like it had this like pine Resiny taste to it, and it was like an additive. It was something they put in the beer to make it more like that. Yeah. Um and man, for for me personally. It just, it just didn't work. It didn't work. I know there are other people on Untap who seem to like it, but
0: well, not, I mean, you got to take those untapped ratings with the the massive grain of brewer's salt. You see what I did there? Because yeah, <laughs> uh, you, ha- you got too many people, too many jamokes like me out there giving beers three seven five when they have no business in your right to have exactly. a three seven five. So I'm people like me are the reason, reason <laughs> putting that rating up there. I I, I always like. Whenever I go and check an untapped rating, I always like verify it with like you know RateBeer or something, um, yep. just just to see if there's a there's a big discrepancy. I typically don't grab a six pack of anything unless it's like four or above. I want to be a snob. I'll be a snob with my ratings, but not everyone else's ratings. But <laughs> yeah, right on. Okay. That's gonna
1: bode. That's gonna bode well for a little surprise we have coming for you guys uh, over the next week.
0: Oh, we might have to mm. might have to wait and listen. Wait and listen. Here we go. You know, 25 podcasts and getting big time now. All right. What's your what's your rating? I knew. See, I, I was thinking you were going to go right past that. But that's 375. Mm-hmm. A 375, legit 375, I, though. Uh, 376. Me, all right. 376. So, spoiler alert.
1: Before this podcast, he told me he doesn't like wheat beers. So, he's... But I, I've continued to drink this one. You have continued to drink it out of necessity because it's a liquid sitting in front of you. <laughs>
0: No, 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 no. I, I do think kind of what I don't really like about Whitbeers beers is, um, it's like really they got that that the Allagash white kind of like chaff, the wheat you can just really really taste it. Um, I describe it as like, like a
1: clove. It, to me, yeah. it all has that like clovey, banana peely sort of taste mm-hmm. to it. And yeah, I, I'm not terribly a, a huge
0: fan oh, of that either. Oh, you meant clove like like vanilla or something? I thought you meant clove like the cigarette. And I was like, well, I was no. more of a sweeter sweets guy in high school. So
1: no, no, no I, I, that's what I mean. I, I get <laughs> from some of those beers more of like a clove white girl cigarette in college type.
0: And type listening to emo music. So yeah, yeah, yeah. two thousand yeah, two thousand five, yeah. great year, great year. All right, I give this one uh 4-2-5. Oh, wow. I actually gave it a 4. Um, but, I mean, you, you know how that goes. Let's get into it here. Week 6 is in the books. The teams that were on by this week, my Seattle Seahawks, 5-0, the Chargers, Saints, and the Raiders. Uh, up first, we finally got the Broncos-Patriots game, and I said, there's no way the Patriots have Cameron Durrell. They're going to roll by 14. That did not happen. Okay, they lost. 18 to 12. Mm -hmm. They're under 500 for the first time since 2002. This is bananas. I was a sophomore in high school then. How does this happen? Well, the Patriots kind of look like a rusty ship that we just brought back up from the depths. It's going to need some work to get going here. Okay. Total yardage for both teams was less than 300, right? They both had total yards underneath 300. Both teams threw two picks, but to be honest, Cam's picks were because tips. You know, you're going to see a lot of those those interceptions this year, so it's kind of boosted stats, but, like, my goodness. I mean, the Patriots had four fumbles. One they lost outright, and Newton was sacked four times. Now, the Denver Twitter handle wasted no time after the game, letting everyone in the world know that they are 4-0 versus Cam Newton. That's not a good look, okay? Now, the Patriots could have won this game because – my God, the Broncos tried to give it to them. Drew Locke was unable really to do anything of substance here. Tim Patrick went over a 100 yards. If you need a, a guy who's a flyer in fantasy, like we're entering bye weeks, you might want to think about that. But there was a 101 yard outing from Philip Lindsay. Welcome back, Philip Lindsay. No Melvin Gordon. And outside of that, no real offense. Um, MVP, Brandon McManus, kicker for the Denver Broncos. He's the only person who put points on the board for his entire team. He had 25 fantasy points this past weekend. That dude is money from 50 yards plus. And to be honest, the Denver Broncos were down in the red zone multiple times, and they had Mm -hmm. to settle for field goals every single time. That seems to me like I want to say the world's on fire because the Patriots lost to the Denver Broncos, but I don't really think it's that bad. I mean, this is just a team that is going to need to figure stuff out. They were in a, getting in ready in a group. Then Cam had COVID. Then Gilmore had COVID. Then some other people had COVID. They had their time off. Now they're trying to get it back through. Mm-hmm. Cam was given a couple sound bites and he said something like, Don't worry about the rain. I, I got my raincoat and, and my galoshes and my umbrella. This guy is seeing the world through some rose colored glasses. And even Belichick is like being typical Belichick and not even like, not even worry about it, which yeah. means the AFC East is still very much in place. I so I'm not really worried about it here, but ooh, I did not expect that to
1: happen. Nah, a couple of unexpected uh, weeks off. Sonny Michelle still hasn't uh still hasn't played in a few weeks. Um is what it is. I, I want to say one of the things worth looking or keeping an eye on is you know Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon and how that's gonna play out when that ship gets righted, because I have Philip Lindsay in two of my fantasy leagues. This is before anything went down, but now Melvin Gordon's doing well, so uh fantasy matchup worth watching because one of those guys is gonna get most of the carries, not both of those guys. So yeah. uh you either may get halved no matter what side you're on, but anyway, I think they'll be fine. Uh I have Texas Titans. I said Texans by a field goal. Uh it wasn't a field goal, but it could have been. I was somewhat close. It did go into overtime. The Texans fall to one five after losing uh forty two to thirty six. There is a lot to talk about, about the football IQ of Rabel, who just a few minutes left, pulled a page out of Bill Belichick's playbook, and he purposely left too many men on the field. In fact, there are, there's video and sound bites of, uh, you know, there was some... He put in some guy who's only been on the field for like 10 snaps the entire season, and he was like, no, it's okay, it's okay. Made sure the ref saw that he said it was okay. Uh, which at the time you're like, okay, this is a, a stupid penalty, but what it did is it forced the clock to stop, it prevented a, a potential 40 second runoff, and allowed them to do that while preserving all of their timeouts, which ultimately they would end up use on the next possession to come back and tie the game. I know we've talked a lot about the tree of life that is Bill's coaching staff and how they don't tend to fare too well outside of New England, but Brable does seem to be shaping up as sort of the exception to that rule. Um, Watson did have himself uh, a pretty decent game, 335 yards. He had four touchdowns, but again, you know, you keep hoping for more with that big contract. They fell short again. At some point, it's going to start raising some questions. I don't think Deshaun's to blame for any of this because he keeps coming out. He's starting to come out and put out some, some decent games, but, uh, just not, making it to that finish line. But I said at the beginning of this season, who's the one guy we need to pay attention to? Here it comes. It was Tannehill.
0: Oh, here we are the Tannehill midway, yeah,
1: But here we are midway through the season or almost midway through the season. And Sam, can you tell me who the undefeated teams are?
0: Well, yeah, you got the Steelers, you got the Seahawks, and, uh, and Tennessee Titans. That's right. That's right. Uh, So while
1: we will find out that I missed several of my picks, some by wider margins this week than others, but the one thing that has been constant is that Titans team. Now they did, you know, get a little bit of a pass there with some extra time off. You thought they were going to come back a little bit more rusty like the Patriots did, but no rust there. They look fantastic, but Tannehill. Putting up W's isn't a big part of this conversation for MVP or any of that stuff. He's just quietly going about his business. Now that's not to say he's in the same caliber as the other MVP candidates, uh, which I think Aaron Rodgers just fell out of that conversation, but he's leading a team that's currently undefeated. Just some food for thought.
0: Yeah. Yep. And he's going to lead my fantasy team, hopefully to the promised land. So, uh, nothing but good vibes and put the digital uh, pitchfork down for the MVP race. Uh, Browns, Steelers. Look, I said the, the Browns beat a good, a good Colts team, but they sustained a lot of injuries in the process, and one that made Baker Mayfield unable to throw a pass like really far down the field. Uh, and I didn't think that was a good, good mix with the Steelers coming in. Um, I mean, who who are explosive on offense and can sack up all kinds of quarterback hits on the defense. And I said they're going to go five and zero. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, Baker got pulled from this game after the Steelers absolutely had their way with him and the hapless Browns. Uh, they sacked Baker four times. They got a pick six from Minka Fitzpatrick. And every day that Minka Fitzpatrick makes a play, it, it makes the the Steelers look like geniuses and the Dolphins look like why did you do that? Because he is just showing out. Chase Claypool again scored a rushing touchdown. James Conner went over a hundred yards again, got a rushing touchdown. He had the the, the pick six or Minka. The Browns did everything they could to survive and play this game as quick as possible to get the clocks to zero. The Steelers cruise; They're now 5-0, and and they won this game 38-7. to um, It's almost like even though there were some injuries in this game from the Steelers, um, one of their star linebackers towards ACL he's out for the season, the Steelers are just content to keep switching out fresh rushers. Um, and a sneaky stat that doesn't really matter, both teams were under 150 net yards passing, okay? That's insane. Essentially what the Steelers said was, listen, Are you a running team? We're going to throw on you. Are you a passing team? We're going to run on you. And they're able to flip back and forth. And they're one of those teams that I don't think a lot of people are actually giving enough credit to. Mm -hmm. But they still have a lot of offensive firepower. And whatever Mike Tomlin's doing, it's working. So keep going.
1: I was one of those that uh, came in with, you know, looking not poorly, but not the highest hopes. But big boy, big Ben seems to be uh, doing it right. Ravens Eagles I have Philly rising a little bit from the ashes this week which uh I was not expecting I thought the Ravens were gonna come in and just win big uh not the case and I actually like when I'm wrong in this fashion I I do like the Eagles even though the Patriots lost them I still think they're a good team uh and they kept it close they finished uh 30 to 28 Fortunately, Baltimore just outlasting them. But this is another mediocre outing from Lamar. We said last week, in order for them to win, he has to put up yardage on the ground, and that's exactly what he did. But he was held to under 200 yards in the air. Like that's not typical Lamar Jackson fashion, and something just seems amiss. I don't know if it's on the receiving side or play calling, but something doesn't seem quite right. I wonder if we're going to find out down the road that there may be some underlying injury. They're not disclosing but something doesn't seem uh there we did say he needed to rush that's exactly what he did which is part of the reason why he was able to pull out this win he had over 100 yards so obviously that makes a big difference but it was another tough week for Wentz he was constantly under pressure again he seems to be trying to will this team into position to win but the online isn't doing him any favors he was sacked six times in this game, which makes three games in a row where he's been at sacked at least five times or more. So if you have an injury prone quarterback and you're letting him get beat up or under pressure constantly, it's just not going to add up well. Uh, I think Wentz has taken a lot of heat for some of these losses when I don't know if that's necessarily fair to, to put on him. He has made some poor decisions, but that O-line looks brutal and they're not giving him enough time to make decisions back there.
0: Yeah, and they got some injuries coming up for the rest of the team, too. That's just it's just tough. I had uh, the football team and the Giants, and I said the Giants are going to be the first team in New York City to get a win, and that's exactly what happened because Riverboat Ron Rivera, say that seven times fast, went for two on the last play of the game, and nothing good came of it, and the, and the Giants walked away 20-19. to The Giants had a defensive touchdown again in this game, and I'm beginning to wonder if Joe Judge actually has something that he knows what he can work with with this team because their special teams has actually come along quite well. I said Antonio Gibson would get two touchdowns. He got zero. Way to go, Sam. Uh, And I I thought that maybe the Washington football team could play upset, but their mistakes were just too much for them to overcome. What mistakes, might you ask? Oh, well, thank you for asking. Let me tell you. Uh, Mistakes like not capitalizing on the fact that the Giants threw 20 passes for 108 passing yards, okay? And the football team tossed it 42 times for 251. But if you take a look at yards per attempt, it's 5.6 versus 5.4. Okay, The Giants had an extra point, too. So there's another mistake. The Giants sacked Kyle Allen three times. The mistake of going nearly 50%, 8-for-15 on third down, and 100%, 2-for-2 on fourth down, and having nothing to show for it. Kick the extra point, Ron. Kick the extra point. Go to OT. Build a damn character win for your team. Instead, the football team was like, nah, fam, we're good. And they lost. (laughs) Val-
1: falcon <laughs> yeah. atlanta falcons minnesota vikings i thought for sure uh the vikings were gonna win it was gonna be a high scoring affair and i was one for two in those guesses um it was definitely a very high scoring game i've noticed a trend actually not the break away from here but have you watched college football at all this season? And, and if you look at those in the NFL, these scores are unreal. They're like division three basketball scores where like, it's not unheard of in college football for teams to put up 50 to 60 points. It's unreal. And you're starting to see that trickle over more into the, to the NFL side. But anyway, um, Ryan and cousins both put up pretty big numbers. They both had 340 yards plus a piece but when you toss three picks in a game especially in one half it's not it's going to be too much to overcome Cousins not looking super sharp in this game in fact this is his third game this season with multiple turnovers if you take Cook who was out for an injury out of the equation it's really tough to kind of overcome that deficit and the Falcons who have all year put up big gaudy numbers they have just their defense has also equally put up or allowed gaudy numbers against them um if you have someone like the vikings who is willing to give you the ball every other time they throw it um makes it a little easier to win but they finally won a game this game was also played mostly in the air both teams combined for a total of 133 yards on the ground combined all running backs quarterbacks everything 133 yards total justin jefferson though 163 166 yards he was a superstar in their receiving core but the vikings they wouldn't be outshined jones put up big numbers 137 yards himself And between those two they put up four touchdowns combined it was a phenomenal outing if you're a fan of the passing game if you're an old school running back guy this was definitely a snooze fest uh it's good to see the the falcons finally win one unfortunately I don't think this is what you're going to see. You did win against the team that's now one in five. So it's not exactly bulletin board material, but it's see, it's it's nice to see you sort of right the ship, see your defense kind of come up a little bit and make some plays when they need to. Cousins obviously has been making some poor decisions all season. So to capitalize on some of those is, is pretty great. Uh, you hope they ride this momentum. I feel for Atlanta. It's only a matter of time before people, I mean, people are already starting to talk about uh, the head coaching position you, Matt Ryan isn't to blame in any of this he he can't play offense and defense so hopefully this is a turning point they come out they do a little better going in the next few weeks but uh, uh I was wrong about this one
0: but for the right reasons I'll take it don't worry I won't I won't drag you through the mud about it <clears throat> not at all uh I had Lions Jaguars look Matt listener, friend of the podcast, this is all for you, okay? Cuz I said, who do I trust in the battle of the big cats? And I trust the bigger cat, which would be the lion here, okay? I said, Maddie P better have Jacksonville's number or Black Monday's coming before Halloween this year." I don't know if that's going to happen, but I'm just going to say, here's what happened. DeAndre Swift totally redeemed himself from dropping that past game-winning touchdown. He rushed 14 times for 116 yards, 2 TDs. The Lions scored a touchdown in every single quarter. This is not a simulation. It's not a drill. Okay. Now that doesn't make a ton of sense because Detroit went three for 12 on third down two for two on fourth. And the Jags went seven for 13 on third. So what happened? The Lions outrushed the Jags. James Robinson, late touchdown, saved me in fantasy. Thank you. 44 yards total. It's abysmal. The Lions pass for just eight yards less than the Jags, 231 to 223, which if you take out Keelan Coles, 143 yards to the Jaguars, there are five other receivers combined for 88 yards. You know what that is? That's atrocious. <laughs> so <laughs> the Lions finally capitalized on something. And if you want to even dig down just a little bit deeper, 45 of that 88 yards came from DJ Shark. There's nothing that's going on. I, I, we rode the mustache mania about as far as it can go. Um, whenever the Jags decided they wanted to get Frisky and act up, the Lions awoke long enough to put some points on the board and go back to sleep. Okay, so I like what they did. I don't know that it keeps Matty P's job safe, but it keeps the Wolves at bay for at least a few other weeks.
1: We did catch some uh, social media flack for giving a hard time to the mustache. Uh, I'm not saying that that hard time was warranted. I'm still a fan of Minshew as a player and as a person, uh, but this season is just not panning out for the guy. And this is coming from a guy who has him on his fantasy league. So you can't say I'm a hater.
0: Uh, it's just this year ain't it fam. No, we can't. We can't say you're a hater, and we will. Uh,
1: no, I mean, it's not Bengals so <laughs> i uh, I had uh, Bengals-Colts. I said Colts. Rivers is going to bounce back from this one. Colts by two touchdowns. Um, <clears throat> I am definitely no fortune teller ever, or especially this week. And if that wasn't evident by my picks, I should take a look at my fantasy teams because, spoiler alert, It's not awesome. It was bad. It was really, really bad. Uh, I have one league. I scored 70 points or less. I won't (laughs) tell you the total score. But uh, a friend of mine in that league took the time to let me know last night. It's probably the worst fantasy performance he's ever seen. And it's not because of the team. Like, the team is okay. But I had one person put up over double-digit points. Two. I'm sorry. I take that back. I had two players... Who put up double-digit numbers? Uh, one was my quarterback, who was supposed to, and the other was Philip Lindsay, who got me ten points. <laughs> Everyone else <laughs> was in single digits uh, or less. Oh or man! Or less. Yeah. Oh, anyway, oh man. Uh, Rivers did bounce back though, so I got part of this right at least. But uh, they didn't win by two. Tossed the ball around for three hundred seventy-one yards. He had three touchdowns, but did give up another pick. But he still managed to outlast Joe Bur- the Joe Burrow show, who I know you are a big fan of. I'm not entirely sold on Burrows yet, though. Um, Joe Burrows, 25 of 39, another outing that was a little tougher. Uh, he didn't throw a single touchdown the entire time. Mixon racked up 54 yards, but and that was the most by a player on either side. So, obviously, another game where there wasn't a lot of ground action going on. The Colts had a total of 60 yards altogether on the ground, John, by, and that was all by Jonathan Taylor. Uh, the quarterback was uh, negative one, and they had another player who ran for one yard, so total net was 60 uh, for the, the the math nerds out there. <laughs> 60 plus one, minus one, 60 total. Um, Rivers, though solid he threw to eight different receivers who were all in the double digits five of them had 50 or more yards which is pretty great um on the cincinnati side both aj green and t higgins combined for almost 225 yards and that's coming off of a week where pretty much everybody wrote off aj green uh i had him in the keeper league last year decided not to keep him this year The first five weeks, he didn't look that great. Everybody was saying it's time to move on. So nice to see him come out and kind of redeem himself a little bit. There'll be an interesting pair to watch if Burroughs can continue to dole the ball out in the same way. Unfortunately, he's got to get a little bit more accurate. He's got to find ways to capitalize on some of those big games where you're putting up big yardage because he's not doing that into this point. I know you said, you know, let the tiger roar or whatever. (laughs) I don't even know what 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 phrasing you said. Let him eat. Let him take the wheel off. Jo-
0: let Joey roar. Yep. yep. Yeah. Okay, it's yeah, a movement. Yeah, but, I haven't but, started it yet, but I'm just I'm building up the momentum. It's coming. Yeah. 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 Let's stay let him tuned. roar. Hashtag stay tuned.
1: Yeah. Let's let him roar. But he has to be more accurate. He has to capitalize on those a little bit more because he doled the ball out great, uh, but didn't capitalize on any of those deep runs. Or, 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 sorry, on any of those. Uh, uh, deep drives, any of those time-consuming drives, again, fell up short. So showing a little promise, receiving core, Burrow, getting on the same page. Needs a little bit more oomph, but not there.
0: Not there. But as you'll see maybe in uh, next week's preview, yeah, uh, uh, you never know. <laughs> uh, all right. I had Bears, Panthers. Okay. So the world is not ending. All right. But my God. I now have to begrudgingly give the Bears credit.
1: Ed Trubisky's mm-hmm.
0: not good. They benched Trubisky. We said put in Foles. They put in Foles. Foles throws a touchdown and an interception in like every game. But he yep. ran in for another. The Bears defense does what the Bears defense does. They got two picks and four sacks en route to winning this game 23-16. to It really wasn't that close. Bears went 50%, percent for 14 on third down. I don't want to overdo this. But after how seeing the other NFC North teams faring lately, I'm beginning to wonder if the Bears can actually make a, a run for the wild card or maybe the division. Yeesh. I don't want to – we, we got to move on. I don't want to talk about this anymore. This is bad. This is bad. Speaking of moving
1: on, Jets, Dolphins. <laughs> Dolphin. <laughs> uh I said last week I laughed and said Dolphins. This week I'm still laughing and saying Dolphins. The, the Jets are, are, are terrible. Uh, Flacco was bad. He had a passer rating of 50. That pretty much says it all that you need to know. We did see a little two of time. We'll get dive into that a little bit more later in the show. Uh for now, I give my time back because the Jets and with one exception, can I please lead the parade? That is the Fire Adam Casey parade. Please. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: Get out there with the um with the conductor with like the little baton.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. and here comes my favorite part of today's recording go ahead okay
0: all right (laughs) so if you if you've been a stats of matter day one realist okay you you'll know that tim and i have have disagreed a little bit on on whether or not i think aaron Rodgers is the purest passer of the football in and whether or not i think he deserves goat contention Uh, Mm um this game absolutely was like if I took all those spots and put them in a little box and then you dropped a nuclear bomb on top of that box mm-hmm. and then you dropped another one on top of that and another one and another one. Um, mm-hmm. I said, four, oh, this is a Super Bowl we've always wanted to see. It'd be a four, shootout. Four,
1: four of those uh, bombs, to be exact.
0: Oh, my gosh. What's just how many touchdowns Tom Brady threw? Sorry, go ahead. Kevo, <laughs> if you listen to this podcast, turn it down. Jesus Christ, Aaron Rodgers. Why don't you discount double-check yourself before you wreck yourself or this team? Uh, Rodgers did the key and peel 3 pumps end zone dance after they went up 10-0. And guess what? That would be the last points they would score all game. This was all Tampa Bay, okay? Pick six of Rodgers, interception the very next drive, Ronald Jones touchdown, and that was pretty much how it went. He had two touchdowns on the day. Tom found Gronk for a 12-yard fade route, and I didn't say it last week. This was going to be the Gronk game, but now they're back. And I'm not a fan of this anymore. Tyler Johnson scores for the Bucks, and the Bucks demolish the pack 38-10 to 10, at home, Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay. The, the Bucks defense, which no one thought was going to be able to stop anything, harassed Rodgers all game long. And Devontae Adams, welcome back, did absolutely nothing except balls bouncing off of his hands. Okay? Now, the Green Bay defense, which was supposed to be defense, like decent, decent, decent defense. Sea sells by the seashores. You know what I'm saying there. <laughs> they were supposed to be decent okay but they allowed the bucks to rush for 158 yards and a pair of scores after all this hype about ooh Rodgers has thrown zero picks this year is rogers an mvp pick get the f out of here with that talk okay how you do this is you throw a couple picks early you give them mm. you give them away and then you just keep throwing touchdowns and Rodgers did the first part of that and not the second part Look, I'm going to say this. All right, I want these two teams to give us a shout-out. I want to see Rodgers make some touch passes like he's known for doing uh, because at this point to me, Michael Jordan is to Brady and Rodgers is to Kawhi Leonard. I just don't understand how unrivaled talent can cease to exist in the biggest moment, and that's exactly what it looks like. Um, I'm going to take so much shit for saying that (laughs) that Rodgers is the best pure passer of the football and got skills, and I know I look like an idiot, but that's okay paid to talk shit about how oh, my down years are better than most other quarterbacks career years and then go out and look like mitchell Trubisky. okay mm-hmm. Rodgers gets paid to do that maybe he needs to take a look in the mirror and r-e-l-a-x relax and get it together because the bears cannot win this division
1: <sighs> hey hey alex is uh sorry alex uh hey aaron's on my uh fantasy team Guess how many points that fine young man scored me this weekend?
0: I would say okay. negative three or negative four.
1: Uh, that sounds accurate because you're making a joke, but in reality, 5.8 fantasy points is what that guy got me.
0: <laughs> so, uh, oh man, and he
1: was my fill in because Drew Brees was on a bye.
0: Yeah, so. Robert Tanya, yeah, no touchdowns. Devontae Adams coming back, supposed to carve up that defense. Didn't happen.
1: Oh, the run, run game?
0: Didn't happen. I do love
1: a bit of sports irony where a player comes out sounding more arrogant than they usually do, and then they just get demolished. Demolished by a team that's supposedly finding themselves. But Tom, Aaron, always compelling games.
0: <clears throat> yeah. What? What is, I mean, Rodgers is like what? Like 0-3 against Brady? Yeah. Yeah, yeah just stats don't matter. Yeah, and, you
1: know, it's fine. Uh, Brady is just a, you know, franchise, team, system, quarterback. It's, you
0: it's know, fine. what? my last thought about this, one of the most comical things was during the broadcast because Joe Buck and Troy Aikman had the call. Mm. They show this graphic of MVPs and, like, how Aaron Rodgers had, you know, almost as many MVPs as Tom Brady. But then they, they brought that graphic that showed all of Tom's 60 World Trophies and then Aaron Rodgers only had one. And I was like, yo. Yeah, I'm. I'm over being fed, spoon-fed this narrative. <laughs> if, if if this man does not come back and win this game, I don't want to hear no more, no yeah. more. They all could right.
1: have. They could have destroyed it even further by showing all the postseason wins comparatively.
0: Yeah, but those, those are, those are you postseason. Have to, you have to make it into the postseason and deep postseason to make it. <laughs> Hey, they, right. they 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 were a wild card team, won the Super Bowl one year. Yeah. yeah. So.
1: Uh, all right, so we got
0: Rams, Niners. Uh,
1: last week, I said it was dependent on Jimmy G getting his shit together. I thought Goff, Aaron, Sam Donald, because I continually call him Sam. I'm going to roll here. Uh, and I was wrong again here, sort of. Because last week I said Jimmy G had to get his shit together, and that's exactly what he did. He was 23 of 33. He had 268 yards. That, my friends, is efficiency. He had three touchdowns without a single turnover. That's about as good of a rebound as you could get. Still may have been struggling a little bit last week with injuries because of his leg. I uh, had an ankle problem going into last week. Thought he was fine. Everyone knows he got benched. Everyone was thinking, oh, my God, this is the demise of Jimmy G. He looked fine. Uh, he took care of the ball really well. Not turning over once is a huge step for that team but he connected with Kittle for 100 and yards we all know last week that didn't happen Kittle came back had a great game last week not so much of a great game and it seems to be everything is sort of getting back in order however they're still not without the injury bug Mossert went down in the second quarter it's 65 rushing point rushing yards up until that point so he was set for a pretty big game Still managed to pull that win out. Uh, Not Goff's best outing. He did have two touchdowns. He did have an interception. But overall, this kind of goes back to what I've been saying the last few weeks, is that something on the Rams' side doesn't pass the sniff test or the eye test. right? When you see them winning all these games and you think, okay, they're 4-1, and but something seems slightly amiss in every one of their games. And for me, it just hasn't quite... hasn't quite added up just yet because they don't seem to be firing on all cylinders they seem to be relatively inconsistent on the offensive side of the ball and I think this is one of those games where we got to see that a little bit kind of got exposed a little bit because Jimmy G again as great as he looked in this game he's still a game manager he managed the hell out of this game he did extremely well I mean I can't knock him for anything he did in this game he looked like a great quarterback but That's not every game, so your defense kind of struggled a little bit and allowed that to happen because, you know, week one through five, he looked a little bit more mediocre than this. So Rams need some work. They need to figure their shit out. They have enough of those pieces to roll teams like the Niners who are missing most of their starting roster. Uh, But the fact that they lost this game, I think, kind of goes to what we've been saying that something doesn't quite add up yet in their record and how well they've been doing. Cause it doesn't look as clean as what their record does. And I think this might be the first sort of key in exposing yeah. some of their weaknesses.
0: Do you want to know what that, you want to know what their schedule is? Those, those four wins. Yeah. The NFC East. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you lose yeah. it. You, like, you know what I mean? Like I just, I, I want to yep. believe. I want to believe the hype. Um, yep. Obviously, Aaron Donald is is Aaron Donald, and he's going to continue to wreck teams unless you can find a way to scheme him out, which everyone in the division should really know how to do. <coughs> Seahawks, take notes. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it was a decent Sunday night game, though. I got to say. All right, we actually had a, a Monday night doubleheader: Chiefs Bills. Look, I said Bills, you beat the Rams, cool, but then they lost to the Titans. Like, really, bro? All that MVP talk and then not backing it up is not doing you favors. You got to beat the Chiefs or everyone's going to say, all right, we're not going to take you seriously. Um, Here's what happened. There was some rain in Buffalo. There were some fumbles by Kansas City. But it doesn't matter because when the Chiefs get going, they possess an extra gear that just keeps games out of range. They can go to sixth gear whenever they want. And that's exactly what happened here. It doesn't matter if you go up big on the Chiefs because then they can scheme points out of nowhere. You can only hope to beat the Chiefs by trading points with them and holding the ball last. That's it. That's what you got to do. That is the secret, okay? This requires a certain kind of team, of which the Bills currently are not. Uh, Mm. A defensive-minded team should not give up 161 yards to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire by himself. It just shouldn't happen, okay? En route to 245 total rushing yards by the Chiefs. That is bananas. Yeah, they put up 450 a, a yards of total offense, 245 on the ground, another 200 plus in the air. Like Travis Kelsey caught a couple TDs. Travis Kelsey had a fumble. Buffalo recovered it, but it didn't matter because it was before half. They also got another fumble. They got a touchdown off of it. They didn't do nothing else with it. The ground game for Buffalo did not exist. They wait. The Chiefs wasted so much of this game just playing with them. This game looked a lot closer than it really was. I think the most disrespectful play by the Chiefs came on a fourth and inches. And that happened because Mahomes, the previous play, probably made the fourth. I mean, he probably made the first down, right? It was third down, and and he ran towards the line. Then he pirouetted, didn't step out. Then he came back, and they called him short by like a couple inches. The Chiefs said, okay, we're going to go ahead and run this thing down your throat from the 12-yard line. Darrell Williams gets a score as if that wasn't bad enough on fourth down, you think, all right, cool. We're going to save a field goal here. And the chief's are like, nah, fam, have this rushing touchdown. You can't stop us. So we're just going to do whatever we want to do. Anthony Hitchens snuffed out whatever comeback the bills wanted to, to prove with a one hand interception. And if I'm Stefan Diggs, I'm really not happy about this game. Allen overthrew me a couple of times. I didn't make some of the other, I didn't I didn't land in the spot where I was supposed to. I didn't adjust to the ball well. Oh. And then if you want to talk about penalties, it didn't matter that the Chiefs, like Mike Vrabel, took penalties and had more yardage, okay? Because the Bills were inexplicably going after Chiefs players out of bounds and just keeping scoring drives alive. I mentioned Stefan Dix. This dude ran go routes all day. Now that's got to be tiring. Then he walked back to the line. And when he walked to the line, he didn't set. Josh Allen snapped the ball, and the ref called the play dead because he walked to the line. This is not a team. I I don't want to hear no more about how the Bills are any different than what what they have been in the past, which is a team with perennial amounts of talent and just cannot execute for whatever reason. Allen overthrew people huge, and if he he wasn't expecting a defensive pass interference, they weren't getting anything. For a guy that can uncork 70-yard bombs as a receiver, you need to be there. Oh, was the throw off? Cool. You need to adjust in the air. Like, you you need to make scoring opportunities. This isn't like a division game. This is against the Chiefs. Like, you cannot you cannot be doing that. I mean, I feel kind of bad for the guy because he was out there running against double coverage all day trying to catch DPIs or one ball. I feel bad for him. He got a touchdown. It was something like four yards out. That's not how you beat the Chiefs. You beat the Chiefs by trying to boat race with them. That's it. That's all you got to do. The Bills can't do it. I have serious questions about whether the Bills can win the AFC East. I I don't think that necessarily the firepower they have matches up with the mistakes and the self-detonation that they continue to find themselves in. So we'll have to see what happens. If he wants to
1: cry about having to run routes and not actually get involved in the passing game, he should have a conversation with Gronkowski. (laughs) No, because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a role-making. All right. It's, it's, Every time you are double teamed, you're taking a defender away from somebody else who's going to get open, so that is a role that you need to, as an elite receiver or an elite player of any capacity, you need to understand that some of those games, that's all you're doing. You're literally just there to take and give opportunities to other offensive players on your team. So, I feel not bad for him in the slightest. Cardinals, Cowboys, we all knew which way this was going to go. The Cowboys. Whip, whip, <laughs> yeah. whip, whip. I'm sorry, Dan. I'm sorry, Adam Pomelo. I'm sorry for all the other Dallas fans out there. I think you guys are in for a really tough season. It's about to get really, really long because uh, it started with the news that Dallas made franchise tag Dak again.
0: Well, I mean, they're going to pay him, but they're not going to pay him what he's worth. Like, yeah. come on.
1: Franchise tagged after just coming out and saying that you support everything that he's doing and you think he
0: deserves all that money. Well, Chicago then, pay the man. are yeah. you listening? Washington football team. Are you listening? Jacksonville yeah. Jaguars. Are you listening? Yeah. Dak's going to come back. He's
1: going to be fine, but he's going to remember the team that decided instead of signing him to a contract, franchise tagged him because we all know what this is it's a tryout going into the next season to see how well he does this. It doesn't take that long to bring out your checkbook and write a check. There's no negotiation going on on that side. You either know or you don't. So anyway, I digress. Andy Dalton and that defense, but Andy Dalton is going to be a struggle for the remainder of the season. The cards thumped Dallas 38 to 10 and it only took 188 yards in the air to do it like Kyler Murray. Uh, The one takeaway from this game, though, is not on the Dallas side. It's how fast Kyler Murray is and how elusive. I don't know if you watched that game, but damn, that kid, not only can he move. Yeah, he can move, but he can also avoid contact. I mean, I always think he's like one big hit away from being a slightly different player just because he is so small. But he had 74 rushing yards, and he had a touchdown on his own. And if he continues to avoid those hits, it's going to be a problem for a lot of teams. I mean, by now, a lot of the league is used to seeing this sort of team. You have, obviously, Mahomes. You have Lamar. You have Deshaun Watson, who's been doing it longer than those two guys. So there's, there's plenty of examples of this having success and working. As long as you can stay healthy, I think he's going to be fine. The big problem for me, though, is he only completed nine passes, nine. That's it. It's the entire game. That's all he completed. So in order for you to capitalize and win games, you definitely need to work on that accuracy because you're not going to get it done with nine wins. There's going to to come a point against some of these big teams where your little legs aren't going to carry you 70, 80 yards, 90 yards. You're going to get stopped. And if you can't connect with your receivers, you only had like 25 attempts, or uh, 24 attempts. Sorry. Some of them might've been Cliff's game plan going into this game, but it's not going to hold up against some better teams. He has to work on that accuracy. It's great to see how fast he is and creating opportunities, but you can't be the one to win the game all the time. You need to be able to reach some of your receivers And nine receptions is not going to do that. That's like nine receptions is what a backup quarterback completes when he comes in to finish a game because you've already blown out another team. So, on Team Kyler-ish, he needs to do a little bit more. I think he's sort of a trick right now. He's a little bit of uh, uh, I – I don't even know what I would call him. He's he's sort of a novelty item right now. Nobody's seen him. Nobody knows what he can do. It takes about three games worth of footage, and that gets shut down pretty quick because we're in a mimic league. We've already talked about it. Um, So they need to figure themselves out a little bit. Cowboys, you're in for a long season. Cardinals ceiling looks – pretty high uh
0: but they got some work to do as well oh for sure all right <clears throat> that was week six we're moving on to week seven thursday night game look comes a time in every season where we have to debate what to do on thursday night does one set their fantasy lineup and watch the game even though the game's not going to be that good the bravens the sorry the bravens the browns ravens used to be that thursday night game that i loathe watching but i did it dutifully because i had fantasy players in it okay Fortunately, or maybe unfortunately, the third and final presidential debate is this Thursday night when the Giants-Eagles play. Now, the Matter podcast is not a partisan podcast. We're apathetic when we vote, okay? But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start this game, and then I'm going to switch over to the debate at 9, because let's be honest, it's going to be more interesting than this game is going to be. And <laughs> then I'm going to switch back and catch the end of this game, which is going to be a boat race to 28, because there's no defense on the side. Zach Ertz is hurt with a high ankle sprain. He's not coming back for three to four weeks. Miles Sanders, not likely to play for the Eagles either. I'm going to trust the Giants have more than enough trickery up their sleeves to finally get their act together. This is for the division, okay? These teams need to come to play correct, and they got to provide us with front and the back to the cover of this book that we're going to read Thursday night because the entire story in the middle is going to be one of the most watched television events probably, and it's not going to be Giants-Eagles. That being said, you have to give credit to the Eagles for what they've done thus far. Wentz is trying to be Superman. He is trying to go up. I did not think when I started the Ravens' defensive fantasy last week that the Eagles are going to put up 28 on him. No way. Never saw that. When he faces these types of teams, like the Steelers and the Ravens, it's a buzzsaw, and he has to do what he has to do. And he's done enough. Now, at some point, injuries and the picks go against you. So... I'm gonna need to see a little more out of him, but I don't think it happens this week. I think the Giants win 28, Eagles 26. Let's go. Giants. moves, Yeah. What are you gonna say about the Steelers? Uh, Steelers Titans.
1: Um, this one. This one I think so my gut leans Steelers because they have just proven week in and week out quietly. Mind you, there hasn't been a lot of talk or a lot of hoopla around a lot of their wins, but this is Battle of the Undefeated. Uh, my gut says Steelers, but I, I got to go with my heart here and go with <laughs> the Titans, because I just think the Titans are playing a very different style ball right now. Uh, I think if, if this is all going to be pertinent on Derrick Henry making moves on the ground. I think if he can come out and have a strong game... It's going to, I think it's going to take a lot from him. I'm I'm going to say like 130, 140 yards, you know, days of your style games from him. I think they pull it out. This one's going to be a close one. I wouldn't be shocked if it ends up an overtime game uh, with a, no, I could, I, I I would say a coin toss at the end to, to choose the winners, but I'm going to go Titans in overtime. Uh, And I'm actually going to say by like a field goal, I don't even think it's going to be that I don't think the game is going to be overly that high scoring. Um, I think both defenses are going to clamp down. It's going to take some magic from Vrabel, but do
0: you think it'll be Titans and OT? All right. Let's put that there in the notes here. I had the Cowboys football team. Look, them boys got thrashed by the Cardinals. That's not really surprising. Okay. The Cardinals are a good team. Thankfully, the cure for what ails all the Washington football team is up next on the docket. Now the Cowboys need to win this divisional game to try and stay on top. Okay. Let's hope that even though the red rifle looked like a pellet gun last week, that he's going to be the red desert Eagle this week. Okay. Cowboys got to get their stuff together. They got too much talent on the offensive side of the ball. And even Mm -hmm. though on defense, it seems like there's coaching effort, play calling. There's a lot of stuff they need to fix. I think they can fix. I think they're going to go back there, look at the film. They're going to say, wow, we got our asses handed to us by an Arizona team that we could have gone toe to toe with. And I think this week, Andy gets more comfortable in the offense. I think he opens it up a little bit. I think that 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 leads to the Cowboys winning bigly, as Timothy Patrick O'Cronin would say 31 to 17. (laughs) Bills, Jets, Bills. All right, we're going
1: to Bills. At some point, the Jets are going to win a game. It's going to be some sort of weird surprise on some sort of trickery. Uh, but I don't think this is it. I think this is just too much of an obstacle to overcome. Sorry, Jets. Hashtag, know, hashtag, fire t- Adam hashtag fire Adam Gates. Hashtag fire Adam Uh I think we're also looking at, you know, some sort of tank for somebody. But I don't know who, they, who they're trying to go for because it's, you know, a cesspool
0: of despair. It's bad. It's Bills. Bad. Bills big. Bills big. All right. Uh, I got Panthers-Saints. Look, the Panthers are 500, okay? Reason to freak out? Maybe, maybe not. Are we going to see McCaffrey this week? Probably not. But the Saints cannot afford to lose this game because if they take their eyes off the prize this week, at this point, the Saints are only in the wild card spot. They don't want to be trying to play catch-up and, ha- and hoping to get a division game against the Bucks to try and win it, Okay. The Panthers need to shake their loss last week and the Saints need to prove desperately that they aren't flukes after burly getting by the chargers. Okay. So I think let's just call a spade a spade here. Yeah. I got serious questions about what the Saints are capable of. They have the firepower. They have the coaching and they hopefully have a pissed off Michael Thomas because they've got some pissed off Sam Smith and Tim Cronins who put them on their fantasy squad to no fanfare. But Fantasy football is not important. Michael Thomas, you're probably not going to get the receptions record that you set last year again. Just go out there and play football, please. Saints big here. Packers-Titans. Uh, I think the Packers are going to come off of a little
1: bit of a loss hangover here. Normally, I would say Packers come out and kind of rebound after a week too long. I mean, after a, a loss going into that second game. Um but I think Texans are slowly starting to you know, find their place. They're still giving up too many points. Rodgers obviously can put up a lot of points, but you have a little bit of a game plan now and seeing what the Bucs did to the Packers. So I'm going to go a little bit of an upset. I think I'm going to go Texans here. Um, it's not going to be the same blowout that it was against the Bucks, but Sean coming off of a big week, I think he's kind of finding ways to make his team work as long as the defense the defense can buckle down a little bit, take a little bit away from the Bucs game, watch a little bit of their footage, see what they did. Um, I think this has a chance to be sort of the start of that upswing for the Texans.
0: Let's go. I, we actually, we might actually get a real justifiable uh Division 3 shootout this weekend. That might happen. Browns Bengals. Look, it worked before, okay, Bengals fans, so maybe it's going to work again. Look, Last week, the Bengals scored two touchdowns and then a touchdown and a field goal and then a field goal and then zilch in the fourth quarter against a good Colts defense, okay? Unfortunately for them, I think the Colts defense realized about, you know, halftime. Okay, we know what they're doing. If they don't change, let's start constricting their airways like a boa. And that's what they should take away from this game. They put up a lot of good points on a good defense, but they couldn't hold on to the lead. The Cincinnati Bengals are not the Atlanta Falcons. They got to a good lead, and they said, "Oh, oh look at us! And then they got stomped towards the end. Phillip Rivers came back, threw all those touchdowns, all the yards, gassed that defense. Burroughs tried to go back down the field, make something happen, threw a pick. It happens. You have those types of games. Joe Mixon's injured. A.J. Green didn't play at his best, but he still managed almost 100 yards. And let's not forget, it's been a long time since you said... A.J. Green, 100 receiving yards in the same sentence. So the team is beginning to get back together. The problem, the Browns just took an absolute licking from the Steelers, and that scares me because the Browns do have enough offensive firepower to make this inter- interessante, if you will. They're going to want to come out firing and prove that their last game wasn't an off day, and the Bengals want to build upon what's been a decent start to the season. Not great. they got to let Burroughs roar a little bit more here. Not a little bit, but a lot of it. I think what they need to do is they need to trade blows with the Browns. Like, this is this is your prize fight. This is the heavyweights. You need to slug it out. And as long as they can keep Burroughs upright, I think they have a shot. All right? Let me holler at some folks right now who absolutely need to step up for this team. Drew Sample, tight end from the University of Washington. I need you to bow down. I need you to start being the tight end that the Bengals need. A.J. Green, Gio Bernard. I need you to look like you're the your, – the players that you were from the 2015 and 16 seasons. Okay. I'm going to say this and it pains me to say it. The Browns are going to win this game by a field goal. And I hope that this curses the Bengals into a win.
1: Lions Falcons. Uh, This one's a tough one for me because I look at Patricia looking at this as a potential statement game because it's a team that's one in five uh, in in Atlanta, but uh, Atlanta, I think is slowly starting i mean if their defense can continue to kind of clamp down and make some changes they are a team that can put up a lot of points against almost anybody the problem is their defense continuing to give up as many points as they do i think last week they showed a lot of promise they buckled down a little bit i think they ride that momentum come into a struggling lions team um I think this one has a potential to be not only a high-scoring game, but I think this is another one that Atlanta tends to run away with. Um, it's it, for, me, for me, when I look at these two games, it, it's they're both coming at it from a very different approach, uh, but both coaches are trying to save their jobs right now. I just think that Atlanta has a little bit more upswing in the way that they've been playing than Stafford and Patricia do on that side of the ball Uh, I think Ryan comes out, I think he puts out another 35, 40 plus pointing uh, event, if their defense can just buckle down a little bit maybe get those blitzes started early get Stafford off of his game a little bit this one I think can get a little bit ugly, I'm hoping this ends up being one of those surprise games where it ends up closer because I do like these two teams, I think Uh, deep into the season, both of them could rebound and do well. Uh, I mean, obviously Atlanta has a little bit more of a hole to dig themselves out of. I think last week and this week is sort of the first steps out of that hole. Uh, Unfortunately, it's going to come at the, you know, behest of the lions. And I think this kind of continues that Patricia conversation, but uh, I'm going to go Falcons. I'm going to go big. Um, but I do think the Lions – I still think the Lions are going to figure it out a few weeks from now. Maybe not now. I think those puzzle pieces are starting to come together. But I think this week this week, it goes to Atlanta. All
0: right. Now we're getting to the 4 o'clock games. <clears throat> oh, look at this. Seahawks, Cardinals. Hey, uh, 12s which for the uninitiated are Seahawks fans, okay? I hope you've been taking your bare aspirin through this entire bye week. You probably should have been taking it already because we've been having a lot of heart attack moments this season. If you haven't started your aspirin regimen, you need to. Because if your heart rate is not lowered, the next five games for Seattle include division foes and the Bills. Good grief. I do not want this whatsoever. The Cardinals stumbled a little bit early. But let's not forget that they thumped the Niners who just thumped the Rams. So as Seattle has played zero division games this year, and since at 5-0, if there's a team that terrifies me, it's the Arizona freaking Cardinals. Okay, The teams always play tough in the division, especially in the NFC West. You cannot take your eyes off this team. The Cardinals absolutely hosed the Cowboys team that they were supposed to. They should have done it anyways. Okay, But their two losses to the Lions and the Panthers look more like a team that kind of took their eye off the ball. So what are we going to get? What team are we going to get? And that being said, they're going to give Seattle everything they can handle. Seattle doesn't have a great defense. Jamal Adams coming back. Damon Snacks, Harrison coming off the practice squad, probably going to get activated this week. That's great because we were already sinking on the defensive side of the ball. So we need to get some people back there and throw this water out. Um, Russ is going to throw a pick in this game. It's just going to happen. I started Buda Baker this week. Shout out to Nate, listener of the podcast. Uh, Buda Baker had 14 points for me as a defensive player in fantasy. The guy is just a ball hog. He's going to find a way to get there. Um, the Cardinals are going to have to realize that Seattle doesn't have an answer for Deandre Hopkins and that they need to throw more than nine times to win a game. Okay. And I think Deandre scores at least twice here, but to be honest, I trust Russ way too much after a bye week in which they went in healthy. Okay. And they are going to get players back. Seattle is going to lose to Arizona at least one time this season but it's not this week. Go Hawks, 32-28. Get your defibrillators, Seahawks.
1: Uh, a sloppy game, Jaguars, Chargers, whatever.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> One of these games, Minshew's going to figure it out, and I think this might be the game where he gets himself going. Um, is he an elite quarterback? No, I don't think so, but I think he's a fully serviceable middle-of-the-road, top-tier, mediocre quarterback, and he hasn't shown that yet this season. I think this ends up being the game where he comes back and, and rebounds a little bit. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. Both of these teams are, you know, 1-5 and 1-4. in, in uh, Going to go Jaguars. I'm going to go uh, 14 points at least. I think this is going to be a big game for them. A, a lot of these teams who are... Woo! Who, are, who are way down in their division so far, have shown like a little bit of promise or like that they're a step or two away from figuring out. Uh, I trust the Jaguars a little bit more than I do the Chargers. So, Jags, two, point, uh, two, two touchdowns, or 14 points.
0: No risk it, no biscuit. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. All right. Uh, 49ers Patriots. Look, I've not been the highest on Jimmy G. It made me look pretty silly in my group chat this past week. Shout out to Greg. When I boldly lamented how Jimmy G throw over the football was not really that good. And then Jimmy G decided to scheme up a lot of short throws and made some plays to the tune of three touchdowns. Okay. Here's the problem. Outside of Kittle zone runs in misdirection. I wonder what the 49ers have left in their bag of tricks. They're good on the defensive side of the ball. They need to get some guys back later in the season. But Remember how Darren Waller, a tight end, disappeared against the Patriots? Remember how the Rams, a running team, were made one-dimensional on the game's biggest stage? Remember how Bill Belichick had Jimmy G on his squad for years and saw him up close and personal and then traded him away for a second-round pick? Do you really think that Bill Belichick is not going to know all of that and capitalize on this team who's piled up more injuries than any other team that we can think of? I mean, that's the Patriot way. Cam Newton already admitted that there was some rust coming off the COVID-19 break. Kim also ran for some yards in the last game too. And you have to believe that this has got to be the game where the Patriots put it together. The AFC East is still very much in play. And to be honest, the Patriots come to play here. Niners fans are not going to like this. Jimmy G had a good outing. This is not going to happen again. Pat's 28, Niners 21.
1: Chiefs Broncos. Chiefs have started to show a little bit of some of the chink in their armor. Over the last couple weeks, I don't think that's enough for the Broncos to capitalize on. I think their defense just isn't enough to keep up with Mahomes and the Chiefs. Not going to dive too much into this one, only because I don't think this one's going to be... Uh, I don't think it's going to be close. Chiefs. Uh,
0: all right. Sunday night, Bucks raiders Look, the Bucks are good-ish, possibly. The Raiders are also good-ish, possibly. Look, the last time we had a scenario like this between the Bears and the Panthers, I picked against a team that clearly had the most talent and coaching prowess, and I'm not fixing to do that again, all right? Uh, A little Southern vernacular coming in. I can't pick against Brady now because he's beginning to find his chemistry with Gronk in a new state, in a new team, and the run game is coming along as well. So the defense is going to do just enough, and they only have to do half of what they did last week. Bucks are going to win this game, even though it'll probably be a little bit closer than people want. I think 28-24. Tampa
1: Bay. Bears, Rams, I've been saying all season, I'm going to keep beating that drum. The Rams aren't passing the eye test or the smell test. There's something off there. The Bears behind Foles, seem to be, you know, finding themselves some new rhythm. Uh, We hesitantly said earlier today that we thought the Bears might be a decent team now not entirely sold on that but it is looking like they're starting to figure their shit out a little bit um i think the rams pose one of those first chances to really prove yourself i mean you're five and one so you have a great record already you've won some decent games i think this at face value is one of those games where you look at the matchup and say oh it's the rams if you beat these guys then you're gonna be fine i think if golf comes out and has another mediocre game has a couple turnovers. The Bears are gonna are, are gonna fare better against this team than what we might have given them credit for two or three weeks ago. Um, Foles obviously is gonna throw an interception this game. He's gonna have some form of a turnover, but I think it's gonna be enough. Rams are gonna keep pressure the entire time. Foles is gonna find some way to make some, you know, dodgy pass that's gonna end up going for big yardage. Uh, I think this one actually goes to the Bears, which is surprising, because you would think the Rams should... The uh, Bears! On paper, you would think the Rams should steamroll teams like this, and this actually has more to do with my lack of confidence in the Rams than it does my confidence in the Bears. I don't think the 5-1 record for the Bears is an accurate representation of what that team is, Um, but I also don't think the 4-2 record is an accurate representation of what the Rams are. I think they're closer to a 500 team. I mean a win is a win. You can't call them a 500 team because they didn't lose any of those games, but you start looking at some of the opponents they face compared to the opponents some of the Bears have faced. I think for me, we're talking, you know, metal tested until this point. Pains me to say it because we were down on the Bears. I'm still not the biggest Bears fan, but I think the Bears are
0: going to overcome the Rams this, uh, this week. Which would be absolutely wild, and I will be watching to see if that happens. Uh, all right, so that's week seven, and we did you know, what's in our cups earlier. So this will go ahead and round out the quarter century mark of the Matter podcast. We want to thank everyone for listening in. And uh, remember Thursday night, start the Thursday night football game. If it is more interesting than whatever your Twitter timeline says is blowing up at the presidential debate, maybe don't switch over. Probably won't happen. So at least watch the first quarter switch, watch the first quarter of the debate switch back at halftime and back and back. And then, you know, catch the tail end of the game. If you're not registered to vote, go register to vote. I don't care who you vote for. Again, we are agnostic here. We're not partisan. I, right. I, I don't know who needs to hear this, but some of you do.
1: You do not have to vote along your party lines. It doesn't matter who the candidate is. doesn't matter who's on the ballot. If you disagree with their politics, it doesn't make you a traitor to vote for the other guy it does not matter if you're or yeah it doesn't matter if you're a democrat or republican if you do not agree with one side and you agree with the other voting against that side is not a knock on either your character or your political beliefs you are the only person in that booth you're the only person that matters and anybody who might judge you accordingly not only is about unpatriotic as it gets, because the most patriotic thing we have is our ability to cast our vote for the people we think we're going to lead this country the proper way. So, I will leave you with this: register to vote. Every one of them does matter, whether you don't think it does or not. And please, 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 remove your political party affiliation and vote for who you think is going to do the best, to your understanding of what we need as a whole, whether it's Republican and Trump or Biden or any of the others, selectmen, congressmen, or anybody else who's on the ballot. Vote for what your beliefs are, not for what your political ideology or your political registration is, because it's okay. You can bounce around if you want to. Independents are on the rise, and there's a reason for that. You're not tied to any
0: particular one side, so. And 30% of you guys, and gals didn't vote in 2016 30 that's that's a ton if we were if we were playing fantasy football and 30 percent of the league was missing tim and i would, would would mop up every week so all right we're getting out of here stats that matter we'll talk to you next week peace